Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, Lori and I asked whether inflation at 6.2% and the highest it's been in 30 years will be sticky or transitory. And in either case, whether the path we're on will, as some people think, lead to hyperinflation or not. She's in the transitory camp, due primarily to improved productivity and the deflationary forces of oversupply. That is, from everyone ordering as much as three times what they needed during the pandemic. I, on the other hand, am more in the sticky camp because I don't see increases in things like labor going away, and I'm concerned what the impact will be from the removal of stimulus from the central bankers having their thumbs pressed so heavily on the scale for so long when they do stop. This week, we're discussing the challenge many of our clients are facing when, as Harold Koplowitz says in his book, The Scaffold Effect, they're trying to raise their children in this age of anxiety we seem to be in today. In our podcast on demographics and Gen Z, we discussed how each generation leaves their imprint and how history rhymes. But more importantly, we point out how much demographics, age, and one stage in life influences economics and therefore a person's opportunities and risks to and from economic trends and investments. It's been noted that millennials and even more recently older Gen Z need to see the connections their actions and money have on well-being, self-care, and volunteerism. And possibly due to their coming of age during and post the economic crises of 9-11 and the Great Recession of 2009, they appear to be less loyal to their jobs, changing often. Perhaps, while eager to learn and contribute, it's because they need more affirmation and recognition than the baby boomers before them. But with this as background, the pending transfer of wealth from the boomers to their children will be the largest in history. And boomers, understandably, hope at least some of their values will be passed on as well. We've been spending much of our time as advisors educating both spouses and their adult children, not only about finance, but aligning their values with their investments and gifting, whether to family or philanthropy about how important it is to openly discuss money, values, and fears in order to have a healthy foundation and understanding with one another, because without it, it can be difficult for parents, spouses, and their children to see eye to eye. In his book, Koplowitz compares one's legacy to a scaffold on a building, describing how, in much the same manner as it enables a building to rise higher, 
the proper structure can help provide just the right degree of support to help children fulfill their potential. As parents, we're always worried about making mistakes, I think, like are we doing too much or not enough? Should we be harder on them or are we already too tough as it is? We want our children to grow up self-reliant and yet every day it seems we see firsthand or hear of college grads moving back home and parents having to support them into their 20s and 30s and so we worry about what will happen after we're gone. Will they be able to deal with life's challenges on their own or will they blow through whatever financial legacy we leave them? But one thing's for sure. Good parenting is not, as Coplowitz said, about rescuing kids. It's about teaching them how to use coping tools and then encouraging them to pick and choose the right tool for the right situation so they flourish on their own and take life's inevitable setbacks in stride. The same as with us. Our kids won't always succeed at everything, but they should try. And as parents, we should teach them how. This is what he means by the term scaffold parenting, providing our children with structure and support. Lori and I spoke briefly about multi-generational families and the loss of traditionally close-knit communities, like the kibbutz system in Israel, in our podcast titled Future Trends. We said how, until recently, this has largely disappeared, and what a shame that was. Much like the verbal traditions embodied by fairy tales that were finally written down and preserved by the Grimm brothers and Charles Perrault, this was how we passed on our most cherished traditions and values by word of mouth from one generation to the next for centuries. So any improvements stemming from the COVID-19 lockdowns in this regard are actually encouraging. Again, much of what we do as advisors is financial. That is helping clients to fund their children's tuition, pay for their wedding, or buy their first home. But beyond that, most parents want to make sure their children understand just how fortunate they are to have this support. And increasingly, they're turning to us for advice on how to formally instill lasting, longer-term values when it comes to their wealth after they're gone. Establishing a trust, for example, can be an effective tool if structured and administered properly, though ultimately one does need to hire a good estate planning attorney. But we can help by knowing what's important to them in the first place. For example, protection in the unfortunate event their children go through a divorce to make sure they don't outspend their inheritance through some error in judgment or if one of them has special needs. The challenges, however, really begin to compound once their grandchildren and great-grandchildren come into play. By that point, of course, we'll all be long gone. And depending on the size of one's estate, in addition to what's known as a dynasty trust, a family foundation or donor-advised fund might also make sense to help successive generations meet their own needs to some degree, but then to make sure a desire to help others is passed on as well. For example, with a foundation, each generation can serve in an advisory capacity, so family members have a say in what or to what degree a given cause is funded throughout their own lifetimes. Absolutely. We think it's a great idea for the family to gather on a periodic basis, first to discuss what money means to each of them, and then to create some sort of a mission statement and set of guiding principles. 
As you plan, a common question is, how long should your trust last? In our opinion, the longer the better. Keeping in mind, the span may ultimately be limited by state law, but when you think about what you leave your children and what you'd like your legacy to be? After watching a movie called The Descendant, starring George Clooney, one piece of advice I've now incorporated into my own thinking is the notion of giving your kids enough to do something, but not enough to do nothing. Finally, while most parents think equal is best, the fact is your children's economic and social well-being changes over the course of their lives, and some have greater needs than others. So how is a parent to accommodate for that? For a start, some sort of personal statement that can be included with your legal trust or will that describes what you expect from them before any funds are released. That can help. And, as I said, it might be a good idea to plan on a quarterly brunch or dinner as a family to discuss various money topics because it's important to make sure that no one's surprised after you're gone. The fact is, keeping secrets from one another only creates distrust and misunderstandings between family members, which may be avoidable and unnecessary. A book I've often shared with clients is called Preparing Heirs by Roy Williams. It goes through various ways to empower those who follow using estate planning techniques, not just to avoid large tax bills, but to teach them the responsibilities of wealth. But before we go today, I do have one story I'd like to share, a story that highlights how important it can be to include professionals in your family meetings if you have them. When I was a junior institutional saleswoman, very early in my career, I was asked by two successful CEOs to fly out while on other company business to meet, in one case, a daughter, and on another, a son, to teach them about money and investing. One of them was disappointed his highly educated and in his own right successful child had not chosen to follow in the family business while the other was equally proud to be preparing his child to lead a foundation he was setting up, and he wanted his child to learn as much as possible beforehand. While the family dynamics were quite opposite, I'm so proud to say we've built lasting relationships into the third and soon fourth generation of each because I believe we established respect and rapport with the next generation by educating them and even bringing in others to help them find solutions to their own personal and philanthropic goals. And yes, in one case, it did save them a lot of money on taxes. Finally, I'd like to share with listeners several organizations we've worked with on both coasts. One is the MMC Institute, also known as Money, Meaning, and Choices, led by Joan DeFurier. Another is 2164, Next Generation Philanthropy, led by Sharna Goldsecker. Her book, Generation Impact, How Next Generation Donors Are Revolutionizing Giving, is a must-read whether you can afford to be charitable or not. And finally, here in New York, the Ackerman Institute for Family. One founder, Judy Stern Peck, is one of their premier couples and family therapists helping so many to talk about money, wealth, and expectations. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And we hope this helped. And if it did, 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with friends, family, and associates so they can enjoy it too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammy for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 